three months later. June 1979. The day arrived for the committal hearing into the murder of Wayne Pierce. He'd only been in his late 20s. I found out that Brian had given himself up and was also out on bail. So the three of us have now been arrested and charged. The hearing was to be heard at the coroner's court in Glebe near the city and my legal team was confident I'd be acquitted. But the detectives told a different story. They told my mother that the three of us would be locked up for a long, long time, which upset her no end. On the day we arrived, the court was full for two weeks with reporters, our friends and family, and those of the deceased, including the parents of the dead man. But I didn't feel anything for them. I was just pissed as hell about the whole mess I'd landed in. After a, a two-and-a-half-week committal hearing, the coroner deliberated for five to six hours over all the evidence. Danny was acquitted, the guy in the car, but found a prima facie case for Brian and I to stand trial for the murder. Bail again was denied for us both because the coroner believed that since we were both now committed to stand trial for the murder, we possibly could be a flight risk. Back in the holding cells, mum and dad came to see me before I was taken back to Yasmar. Brian had been taken to the adult sections of the cells in the underbelly of the coroner's court. I jump off my bunk, wrapping my hands around the bars as my parents appear. I hadn't stopped crying since leaving the courtroom. Why has he taken away my bail, mum, between sobs? I don't know, Dean, she said, shaking her head. Why, Dad, I asked again, with tears streaming down my face. He shrugged. Stubbs, he's blowing up, you know, he said. He bolted out the court, swearing under his breath. He thought for sure you'd be acquitted. I should have been. I didn't kill him. Don't keep preaching the shit to me, Dean. Dad's response shocked me, like he didn't believe in my innocence. I haven't fucking killed anyone, Dad. I screamed really angry. We went to knock off some pot and to have a smoke. That's all, Dad. When they were fighting, I heard that fucking Wayne Pierce tell Brian he was going to kill him and throw him in the Sydney Harbour. I turned and walked away from the bars and sat back down on my bunk and put my head between my hands. What a nightmare. This is bullshit. I hate this place. Just look at it, I said wearily. Dad looked around the cell. Yeah, pretty ordinary, isn't it? Come on, love, Mum said. You'll be out soon enough. 
we'll go back to the Supreme Court and get you out on bail again. You'll be okay. But try as she might, she couldn't keep the dejection out of her voice. We're as disappointed as you, Dean, she said. We thought you'd be acquitted today too. Dad through was having none of it. Just stop your fucking whinging, Dean. You're acting like a girl. Toughen up. Dean, all this sort of shit won't help yourself. Dad's words snapped me out of it somewhat. Okay, Dad, I said. I managed in between my gasps. About an hour later, after a feed of ham and pickle sangers, I was handcuffed and led down the long corridor back of the building to the meat wagon. Apart from the two coppers, it was just me in the vehicle. We stopped so many times, I reckon every traffic light must have been red. We drove along Paramount Road and me peering through the steel mesh air vent. The road was packed, busy with cars, driving home in the work hour rush. I just wanted more than anything to be going home too. A few days later, Stubbsy was back in the Supreme Court applying for bail. This time I didn't have to attend. Stubbsy must have done good because that afternoon Elvis informed me that I'd be released the very next day. When I walked out the door of Yasmar, Dad was waiting. We got into a waiting cab and returned home. Only a few days later, I was out running the streets all night again, this time with Big Rod, the cocksucker from Yasmar. He'd just been acquitted of the armed robbery of the local Commonwealth Bank. When I related the story, I'd been told in Yasmar, the one about him sucking off the kids. He roared with laughter. Anyway, Big Ron and I had a deal going with a bloke called Smoke and Joe, who owned a diner on Parramatta Road called Beefy's. He was a short beach ball of a bloke, always smoking giant cigars. He had a big black moustache, thinning hair with gold chains dangling over his necks and his wrists. He would always walk fast, waddling like a penguin. We used to steal colour TVs for him. This was in the 70s when they first came out and were really popular. Smoke and Joe would lend us his mini minor station wagon and would cruise the streets looking for likely homes to break into. On this particular day, we'd done a few break and enters. 